Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode was recorded on July 5th, 2018. We're a couple of days late this week, and that's a combo of uh, American holiday, Canada holiday for Canada Day, yay Canada, and uh, also me traveling. Um, I just got back from a fantastic trip to Finland with uh, a bunch of the SEMrush crew, and uh, wow, what a great time it was. Um, we... Uh, I want to thank SEMrush so much for inviting me to this event. Um, They showed us all around Finland and uh, fed us reindeer and a bunch of other things. And uh, I actually uh, got to play the drums with a live band, which was a silly lifelong goal of mine, which I was able to fulfill. So um, it was a lot of fun. On a, on a silly note, maybe not so silly, but um, um, I have always been torn as between whether to call it SEMrush or SEMrush. So I always have called it SEMrush, and uh, even the own staff of this company are torn between, is it SEMrush, is it SEMrush? Um, and when I heard the CEO of the company get up and speak, he called it SEMrush. So from now on, I'm going to be calling it SEMrush. We have a bunch of things to talk about in this episode, and uh, I'm going to include some things that are really only in my paid version of my newsletter. Um, The most interesting to me is some investigation into the Red Hen restaurant in Lexington. This is a restaurant that's been in the midst of a bunch of political controversy. And uh, I wondered if, you know, maybe this had helped their SEO, helped their organic search presence. So we'll talk about that. Um, We'll talk about uh, uh, press release links. I know that's going back a long ways, but a lot of you, um, you know, this is, is probably news to you. Um, Some controversy about Forbes authors and then also some Google um, announcements. Uh, It's interesting that there were no significant algorithm updates this week. In all of the sites that I have access to for Google Analytics, I couldn't really see any patterns of sites uh, seeing increases or decreases on one particular day. Now, Barry Schwartz posted an interesting thing on uh, Search Engine Roundtable where he said he's heard very strong rumors of a large algorithm update coming. I don't think I've ever heard Barry um, predict something like this. Uh, You know, he must have some sources where uh, he can trust uh, what they're saying in terms of um, predictions on on big algo updates. I think it's possible that it might be the page speed algorithm update uh, um, that's going to be coming out, and we'll see what kind of an effect that has. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in this episode. I think we're also going to be seeing some uh, major changes in the SERPs because of mobile-first indexing. And um, again, we'll uh, actually, let's talk about that now. Uh, You probably have possibly received a mobile-first indexing email this week. And this is the email that Google sends out to say, okay, we've enabled mobile-first indexing. I've talked about this a lot, so I'm not going to go over in great detail what mobile-first indexing is. But the main point that you need to know is that it's super important that everything you want Google to discover is easy for Google to find on your mobile site. Now, what a lot of people are noticing is that the notifications they're getting are not for mobile-friendly sites. They're for sites that I had uh, probably five or six um, notifications for sites that I built years ago, um, some as long as 10 years ago. Uh, They're certainly not mobile friendly. They're sites that I've basically abandoned. Uh, And so why is Google doing this? 
the main thing that Google is concerned about when they're switching sites to mobile-first indexing is that there is parity between the content on the desktop and the mobile version. So if you have exactly the same content on mobile as desktop, then you're much more likely to be moved over to mobile-first indexing. What I find interesting though, so Google says, you know, if your content's the same, you don't really need to worry. You're not going to see a drop in rankings. However, I have one site that I built and this site is a responsive site. So that means that it just switches according to whatever the viewport is. So if you're looking at uh, a at the site on a mobile phone, then it um, you know it shrinks down into the right size and all the content is the same. It's just presented with different margins so that it fits on the phone. And um, so for this site, the content is the same. And I did get an email saying that it had switched over to mobile first indexing. But here's the thing. The way I built this site is there's a different menu, and this is pretty common. There's a different menu, a different navigation for mobile viewers as there is for desktop. And the content of that menu is different. That's not really on purpose. It's more laziness on my part as I added content. This isn't a WordPress site. This is a static HTML site. So as I added content, I accidentally um, changed the menu on desktop and didn't add it to the mobile menu. Uh, and so this site actually is seeing significant drops for some search terms uh, in organic. I'm going to leave it for a bit. Uh, it's actually a very important site to me, but I think I can learn a lot from this. So I'm going to leave it for a bit and see if those drops continue or if Google can figure things out. Here's the interesting thing. I don't think these are connected, but the uh, local, the maps rankings for this site have greatly improved. They actually jumped up to uh, number one um, for the most uh, important terms. So even though organically, um, we dropped from, I want to say, number three for our main keyword down to number nine, which is a significant drop. Um, and I think it's because of this whole mobile first indexing and the fact that the navigation is different because Google has a hard time crawling to get to some of my main pages are not linked to from the mobile nav. So I'm, I'm not saying that you should do that. I mean, that's really something that I need to fix. But I'm going to let that run for a week or two and see what happens to rankings. And then I'm going to change my mobile navigation so that it is uh, representative of what's on the site and so that Google and other bots who look at the mobile version can actually find um, those pages uh, via the navigation. And I'll report back and let you know uh, what, um, what I'm seeing. One thing that's very, very important is if you do receive the message saying that you've been moved over to mobile first indexing, you really should go into Google Analytics and make an annotation to show that you've, um, that's the date that that happened. And the reason is that let's say a year from now, you come to somebody like me or somebody else who does traffic drop assessments and you say, you know, my traffic's been declining. If I can look back and say, ah, you know, it started when you were switched to mobile first indexing, that gives me a big, big clue as to what's happening at that time. Because it's not like there's just one date. Um, actually, it's a good point. I should make market in my algorithm update list. Uh, and I will do that. Um, I'll make a note that uh, a lot of emails went out for mobile first indexing on, um, uh, I want to say it was July 4th, I think, actually. It could have been the 3rd. Yeah, actually, I think it was July 3rd. Uh, and so, um, you know, that's something to take note of. And I would urge you to, to leave an annotation on Google Analytics. 
Google Search Console, the beta version, has uh, a new tool, a new part of the tool which allows you to inspect individual URLs more deeply. And it's pretty cool. So in the um, paid version of my newsletter, I give some screenshots of what I'm seeing and how I would use this. Um, essentially, uh, what you're seeing is whether or not each URL is on Google. Um, things like whether Google thinks that it's the canonical, and if it's not, what the canonical is. Um, and uh, I found an interesting, I mean, one thing when I was looking was uh, a site of mine where I had canonicalized one page to a different domain on purpose. This is something where I had content that was from another domain, and uh, rightfully it was their content. And so I um, put a cross-domain canonical, and that basically tells Google, look, we, I know this URL is on my website, and it's exactly the same as what's on this other website. It's the other website that should be ranking in Google. So Google detected that, and when I used the URL inspection, it said, yes, this is canonicalized to this other domain, but it also told me that it's in my sitemap. I don't need to have that in the sitemap because I don't need Google to um, be crawling this on my site. Uh, you know, it's more important on the other site. So that was information that I learned that I can take that URL out of my sitemap. I had some other URLs that I was really hoping. I have a client uh, that has a lot of issues with duplicate content, and we're not sure whether Google is canonicalizing some of their pages without them having a canonical tag. And I was really hoping that I could go into the URL inspection report and see, oh, yeah, we think this is canonicalized to this. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it just says NA, um, as in uh, we don't know what the canonical is. So that's kind of an interesting thing. I think there's a lot more that can be done with this tool as well. So I encourage you to um, uh, play around with it and see what you can find out. Let's talk about page speed. So quite some time ago, Google announced that there was going to be an update that they were going to call the speed update, and that it's to happen in July of 2018. So we should be seeing that soon. Um, you know, I think John said something, John Mueller said something the other day that sort of hinted that it should be coming in July, but, you know, there may be other things that have to be worked out. So it wouldn't surprise me if it takes a bit longer. John also made a comment in a help hangout that made it sound like pretty much any site could benefit from um, algorithmically from page speed increases, uh, improvements. Now, sometimes this is true. I mean, uh, I know Alan Blayweiss has uh, tweeted great graphics of um, sites that all they did was improve their uh, page load time and they saw nice improvements in, in uh, organic rankings and in traffic. Um, it's important to note though, so John went on Twitter and clarified that when the page speed update happens, it really only is for very slow sites. He has said, I believe he has said in the past that if you use Google's page speed insights tool and you get a red score on the optimization box, then that's a page that is likely to be demoted. Now, I know people are going to be saying, oh, but this page is ranking highly and it's it scores in the red. It's not like you can't rank. If you're still the absolute best answer for people, you'll rank well. Um, but if you're very close to all of your competitors and your page speed scores are in the red, then you're potentially going to be demoted with this algorithm. The other thing that he said that was important is that the demotion can be incremental. So sites that are insanely slow 
may have a bigger demotion than sites that are, you know, just moderately slow. So um, he said, if your site is reasonably fast, tweaking won't change things. So I, I'm a big fan of improving page load time wherever we can. Um, but if it's something that, uh, you know, you have, other, you probably have other things to work on, in my opinion, for most sites. So, I mean, we do look at page speed and we, we give recommendations in our reviews on how to improve page speed. Um, but in most cases, I don't think it's going to make a drastic difference. It was an interesting little uh, thing in a help hangout about press release links. Now, this is not new news. Um, Matt Cutts has said uh, year, years ago, I think even 2012, he said that press releases, um, Google knows to ignore the links in those press releases. And back at that time, I think shortly after that, somebody did a study where they said that they proved that links from press releases actually helped their rankings. The thing is, though, with that study, um, what happened was uh, they were using nonsense keywords and showing that Google found them and ranked the one that had a press release link uh, higher than the one that didn't. I think it's such a marginal difference. Um, I think if you have any sort of competition for your keyword, that getting a link from a press release is not going to help. I still, though, am a fan of press releases where you actually do have something awesome for people to talk about. So if your company is doing fantastic things and you put out a press release and then journalists actually pick up that press release and want to write about your company, those are the types of press releases that move the needle. Um, but if you're doing press releases just to get links, that's kind of a very old school link building tactic and Google is really good at ignoring those links. So I would not recommend press releases just for link building. So most of you probably have seen this article. Uh, I'm, I did not post a link to the article because it outs a couple of people in the industry and I'm really not a fan of doing that. But I do think that it's important to talk about it. This article talked about how there was um, somebody who runs a, a fairly well-known SEO agency who was also um, a contributor to Forbes. He was a contributor in the VIP contributor section, which I believe that when you write uh, an article in the VIP contributor section, to Forbes, there's no no follow on the links. The links are all followed. And so this author, what he was doing was writing an article for Forbes and then linking out to his clients, often with keyword anchored links. And he did not disclose that they were clients of his. This is something that's been, I mean, this is no surprise. This has been going on and it still will go on probably for quite some time. Um, but it was interesting to see that Forbes took this seriously and uh, demoted this person to a guest contributor, which meant that their links were uh, no followed. Um, and so the reason why I include this is because I am seeing this on a, a regular basis where uh, companies will come to me and say, you know, we're really struggling to get ahead in the rankings. We've been paying for SEO for years and we're not seeing any improvement. And when I look at what they're um, paying for SEO with, uh, basically what they're paying for is... Um, guest posting. You know, whether you want to call it article marketing, some people call it content marketing, but really it's not content marketing. It's let's see where we can get as many articles published as we can and get links back to our site. Those links are against Google's guidelines. I know, and the argument that people say is, oh, but I didn't pay for the link or, you know, the editor of the uh, website 
editorially chose to put my content in there. So they, it's an editorial link, which is not true. I mean, if you think about it, that site, it's not like that site said, oh, we love this site so much, we want to recommend them, or here's this fantastic piece of content on this other site. So if you are working with an SEO company that their main mode of operation is to publish content for you um, on other websites and get links back to your site, It really does not seem to be working these days, and it's because Google knows. So I spoke with Gary Ish, uh, you know, a few months ago, and he was saying, you know, Google knows which parts of Forbes to count. Google knows that uh, the the contributor, the guest contributor section of Forbes is just fraught with people who are writing for money and uh, and linking back to clients, so or selling those links, and so Google knows to ignore that. So. Uh, you know, and then the question comes is, well, can, should we build links? Can we, what kind of build links can we build? And the main thing to point out is if you're building links that people actually click on, if they're links that you would build, even if it wasn't for SEO. So, you know, if they're really good for traffic, they're really good for um, improving your brand recognition, then you can still go ahead and do that. And those things will help. The thing is, though, it's very easy to convince yourself that these are good for brand recognition when in reality, you know, nobody's actually going to see these websites. So I would urge you to, um, to you know, be cautious about what type of SEO you're doing because uh, even though links are still important, they're, um, you know, they're the, the type of link that is important is a truly natural link, meaning that somebody wanted to link to you on their own volition. Um, and this is not the case if you're paying an SEO company to, uh, to, to put content out there for you. Now, I should say, I mean, there are, some content marketing is good. If you, know, if you want to get the word out about your brand, um, and so not all content marketing is bad, but I think a lot of what is being called content marketing is uh, not really. <laughs> um, let's see what else we can talk about here. Um, oh, uh, if you have a site that's in different languages, a question that came up in the help hangout was whether it was okay to use Google translated content on your website. And I think it's important to note that Google considers this auto generated content. And there's a line in the quality raters guidelines that say that if you're using auto generated content with no editing or manual curation, so meaning you plugged it into Google Translate, you copied and pasted it into your website, then what the quality raters guidelines say is that this is considered the lowest type of content. Uh, So you do not want to do that. If you want to um, have different uh, languages on your website, then you need to, uh, you need to use human translators to have that done. Um, There is an exception. You can have auto-translated content provided that it's not indexed. So um, I think one thing that John Mueller had suggested was perhaps using some JavaScript uh, to allow users to translate it into the Google translated content. Uh, But you don't want to try to get that in Google's index. Otherwise, it's considered the lowest type of, of content. Um, Google Data Studio, which is something that I really need to look more into because it just looks absolutely amazing. Uh, It now has 16 months of data as well. So if you're a user of Google Data Studio, then that's something that uh, is pretty darn exciting. And um, let's talk, oh, oh, going back to the auto-translating. So you know when you go to a website and it's in a different language and Google pops up this thing that says, oh, this is in French or in Spanish or whatever, uh, do you want to translate it? So we're doing a review right now for a site that I believe is in Dutch. And um, 
And so we rely heavily on Google Translate just to be able to understand what is the purpose of this page, um, you know, what are your H tags saying, things like that. And for whatever reason, we, we couldn't get Google to translate this. And so we had to take every individual paragraph that we wanted to read, pop over to Google Translate and paste it in there. Uh, it was taking a really long time. So I tweeted about this and I got a bunch of really good replies. I mean, sometimes the Google Translate API can get confused with some sites. Uh, some sites have, you can actually put a, a tag on your site to say uh, you don't want it translated. But this wasn't the case for this site. And Simon Cox came up with the solution. Uh, and he said, are they using HTML lang? Not uh, hreflang, but this is actually uh, to show bots what language the HTML is in. And... Um, so basically, uh, this is what the case was for this site. The HTML lang said it was in English. And so when we went to look at the site in English, Google's translating API said, oh, the site's in English uh, and didn't offer to translate it for us. So we had, um, and this was probably a case where whoever uh, programmed the code just copied and pasted from uh, another source. I mean, I do that too when I'm starting to uh, uh, to build a new site. I'll just copy the, the basic source code over from uh, from a template. Um, and so we had them change it to the appropriate language, and sure enough, we're able to translate it. So that's kind of a, a neat little thing. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's see, we'll come back to the red hen, because this is the, the most interesting thing. Um, in uh, local SEO, uh, just briefly, somebody asked Google My Business whether you can embed reviews on your website. And yes, that is totally okay to embed reviews on your own website. Uh, another tip that was given was if you're having trouble getting Google to take down a business that has a spammy uh, business name. So, for example, if, you know, if there's a plumbing company called uh, Joe's Plumbers and, um, and their Google My Business uh, title is Joe's Plumbers Best Plumber in Ottawa Emergency Plumbing, <laughs> you know, which is really not their business name, that's kind of keyword stuffed, then you can sometimes get that removed or get that changed by suggesting a partial edit. And uh, apparently you can have more success in doing this. Um, and uh, let's see. Okay, so the last thing we'll talk about is the red hen in Lexington. And I'm sure you've heard all the political stuff here, and I really don't want to get into the politics of this. The point is there was some bad press about this uh, particular restaurant. And as soon as I saw there was bad press, my thought was, I bet you they got a whack of links from this bad press. And I wonder if it actually helped their organic rankings. Well, I looked into it and it was really quite fascinating. Um, what I saw was I looked on Ahrefs and you can see this if you're a paid member of my newsletter. Uh, you can go to mariehaines.com slash newsletter and you'll see... Um, You'll see the charts, the screenshots from uh, the, the links. So they received a very, very large number of links uh, coming to this website. Uh, and then I looked at Ahrefs and also SEMrush to see uh, how much it had affected their organic traffic. And amazingly, um, SEMrush actually shows that the, uh, the traffic had gone down um, slightly. I think href shows that it's the same. So how is this possible that this site got a whole bunch of links from, uh, and these are followed links, they're from very authoritative news sites, they're links that really should move the needle, and yet they hadn't seen any increase in rankings. I don't have the exact answer to this, but I have a few thoughts. 
Number one, the site actually has some hacking issues. I think it's fixed now. So it'll be interesting to see if over the next few months, if rankings improve. Um, but it may be that Google did not want to trust a site that had been hacked. Um, another thing is it's possible that this could be an issue of the long click versus the short click. Uh, there's a great book, if you're at all interested in the history of Google, called In the Plex by Stephen Levy. And he talks about how one of the very first ranking factors was whether people returned to the search results quickly after clicking on a website. So if I click on a web, uh, an answer in, in uh, Google search and I go to that website and then I immediately come back and I do another search, and I stay longer on the next website, that tells me that the first website didn't answer my query. And it's possible that enough people were just taking a quick look at this website, perhaps, and, um, uh, and then Google didn't want to, uh, to rank them because nobody was staying on there for long. I also wonder if um, this could be an EAT issue, so expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. And I think Google may be able to recognize that although this site is getting links, they're getting links uh, that tell Google that this site is not trustworthy. Um, it's not the site that's not trustworthy. The point is there's a lot of very negative sentiment about this, uh, this restaurant. And so I think it's possible that Google say, can recognize that, oh, when something viral happens and, uh, you know, it's negative in nature, then this site should not deserve to rank better as a result. And so I know a lot of you, that's kind of been a, a tactic where you stir up some press, whether it's negative or not, and that uh, actually gets you links. But it may be that those links actually don't move the needle. Um, and then the last thing, which I think is probably the most likely explanation, is that um, Google's just getting better at figuring out which links should count for SEO purposes. And so, um, you know, I think Google may be able to recognize uh, which links are truly somebody saying, uh, you know, this is a great place that we want to recommend. Um, I, you know, it's a mystery to me. I'm going to keep watching this because I don't think I've ever seen that happen before where a site got so many natural links and didn't see even a slight uptick in uh, rankings and, and traffic. Now, to be fair, I don't have Google Analytics data. I'm just going by the third-party tools. Um, but I did expect to see more of an increase. So if you have any thoughts on that, I'd love for you to um, perhaps go to the newsletter uh, episode. Um, again, uh, if you just go to mariehaines.com, com slash newsletter and it's the july 4th episode uh i'd love for you to leave a comment on what you think is uh, is happening there so that's all we have for this week um, i would like to invite any of you who are anywhere close to the ottawa canada area to a workshop that we're doing on august 10th so it's coming up soon it's myself joy hawkins and also marcella DeVivo, um, and we're going to be talking all about quality and we'll be doing a little bit of interactive stuff too where we can look at your web website and give you some information on how you can improve quality in terms of the quality raters guidelines. Uh, Joy is going to be talking about getting reviews, getting good reviews that actually matter. And uh, Marcella is going to talk a little bit about technical things that you can improve as well. So this is really, really going to be uh, an exciting day. 
Um, and at one final thing, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the, the podcast. Um, it looks like I'm probably going to continue doing this weekly. And uh, the more uh, reviews we can get, the more people talking about it, um, the more motivation I have to continue to do this. Uh, so if you want to reach me, it's Marie at MarieHaines.com. Am I M-A-R-I-E. I'm laughing because when I'm tired, I always type my name incorrectly. So now apparently I can't even say it correctly. (laughs) Um, And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week. And hopefully uh, we'll have good news to report on next week.